Here in America, work is in trouble. We've offshored our manufacturing, sent away good jobs, and lost so much ability to make things. American Giant is a company that's pushing back against this tide. They make high-quality clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more, right here in the USA. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com, promo code STAPLE20. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Live from Estopanol Inn. It's the Bamos Morados Podcast, powered by the state of Louisville. Welcome to the Vamos Morados Podcast. My name is Benton. I'm Zach. We have a very special guest with us today. The one, the only, Alex Chidiak. Alex, how are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you guys? We're doing We're fantastic. Feel a lot better after this weekend. <laughs> yeah, same here. <laughs> yeah, we got two wins at Lynn Family Stadium this weekend. That was excellent. Very, very pleased for that. Um, Alex, I have to admit, pretty much as soon as you signed with the team, we were very eager and anxious to to chat with you and get you on the podcast because you're just a delightful personality. And we saw it on Twitter even before, even before you hopped on a plane or anything. <laughs> no, good to hear. Yeah, no, um, I think our uh, media manager did mention that you've been wanting to chat to me this whole time. So it'd be a good chat. <laughs> the moment the moment the the public monster came up. We knew we knew you're a person we'd had to interview. Do you know much about the Pope Lick Monster? Have I was gonna okay, so I was gonna get into this later, but we'll get into have you actually been to the Pope Lick rail overpass yet? Where the monster's supposed to live? (laughs) I'm not messing with that. Guys, so I so before all that happened on Twitter, I had heard of that before. Like I was aware of it, but I didn't know a lot about it. And then after that, I had like looked it up and I watched like the short film that like I think a lot of it comes from in like the like late 80s, early 90s. Uh, but we were just like we we took our daughter to a birthday party and we're driving back home and we drove under that railway to get home. And we're in the car and I just start freaking out like, like, Lori, Lori, that's where that's where the public monster lives. That's the rail pass. And she was like, I have no clue what you're talking about. <laughs> I, I don't know anything about it. Is it like a Bigfoot sort of situation or? Okay. All right. So, so there's, there's a ledge. So there is a, there's a rail bridge. Like there's like a valley with a really long rail overpass that, go, that goes, it, um, it's over Propolic Road, which is why it's, but, and several teenagers have died on it because it's like 400 feet long. If you walk and there's, there's no space other than where the railway is. So you can't like, if you're in the middle of it, walking across it and a train comes, there's nowhere for you to go. So it's, it's extremely dangerous. And uh, so because like every so often, like a teenager will go up there and try to try to run across it as like a challenge and, and like fall off or a train comes, 
there's like a, a legend that has grown up that there's a there's a a goat monster that sings from the top that lures teenagers up across to their death. Oh, it sings. Uh, yeah, it's like a it's like a siren type deal. It's all right. It's, okay. a, it's like our it's our most famous local monster. Oh, we got a singing chipacabra situation then. <laughs> so yeah, I'm well, definitely I'm... messing with that at all. <laughs> Steer clear of that one. Yeah. Okay, I didn't know about that one until you until you brought that up. Um, still saying all your your, your shitty facts. This were a lot of fun, by the way. I learned a lot about yeah, my own city. I learned a lot from that thread. I was not aware that we were at one point like the largest disco ball manufacturer in the world. That was new to me. I think I like that is a... still. Yeah. No, I think that that's still the the fact. Like, I feel like um, it was created here, right? Well, that's how I read it. So I'm just gonna. Go with that. <laughs> You're probably right. Have you learned any new chili facts since, since you've been here? Any new ones? Um, I don't think so, actually. So I'm still I'm still on the lookout, and I'm still definitely open to people um, letting me know some more facts about Louisville. So if anyone has any, please let me know about them. Well, we will we will send up the flag. Have you heard about our our water? It's supposed it's to be some to be of the best in the country. Best in the world, right? Well, not the best in the world. Uh, best sure, in the we'll, take, we'll take that accolade. Best in the world. Yeah. Yes. I mean, probably it probably has to be one of the best in the world if it's one of the best in the U.S. So it would it's rank one of those facts. Yeah, it's one of those facts. I feel like before I moved here, like every Louisvilleian would tell me, like, "Oh, we have some of the best tap water in the country." Have you tried the water? I'm like, why do you all know this? And now I'm one of them. <laughs> So, so, so um, Alex, let's let's start off <laughs> properly. So you grew up in Austra- Australia. Uh, what what part of Australia are you from? What, what was it like the area you grew up in? Uh, so it's I'm from Adelaide in Australia. So it's South Australia, um, and it's one of the smaller cities, but still big. Um, and yeah, no, I mean I I love where I come from. Um, def- absolutely, like love the town and everything. I now live um in melbourne because i play for um melbourne victory in the off season so um that's very very different i feel like a portion of like well all of adelaide could fit in a portion of melbourne um so yeah it's kind of like like in adelaide you can basically get anywhere in 20 minutes so it's great (laughs) small town feel is is adelaide closer to any 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 bigger cities or are you just kind of out in the out and just on its own it's it's what like a hour flight to get to it's kind of normal for us to um fly around everywhere we don't normally drive i think it's an eight hour drive from adelaide to melbourne so people do that um sometimes but it's a lot easier to fly yeah yeah all the cities are kind of on the edge on the perimeter it's kind of empty in the middle so it's hard to to get from place to place without flying that's where all the scary creatures are okay i feel like there's a massive misconception (laughs) it's not mad max in the middle of the country literally everyone's just like yeah there's there's spiders walking down the street and (laughs) like that's not true and literally i'm not shitting you i walked from our apartment to the training ground today and I, i had an encounter with a snake 
And I'd never had an encounter with a snake in Australia. So <laughs> then afterwards I had to search, oh, what snakes are in Kentucky? A giant list came up. So this is a lot it. of poisonous snakes in Kentucky. <laughs> yeah, what, but no one warned me that. That could be a new fact. <laughs> so we're the more dangerous area. I don't know. I just like, I, when I think of Australia, I get this, yeah, this misconception of all these like, like enormous spiders, like, like this Jumanji sort of shit, just like everywhere. I don't know. Yeah, no, definitely not the Here's case. Korea is where the huge spiders are. Yeah, they, they definitely yeah. do exist, but just don't don't mess with them. Just let, let them be. So I'm good with like koalas and like kangaroos and stuff like that. It's like like the spider situation. I did see thing. recently that Australia had its first kangaroo death in like 90 years or something this week. Like a kangaroo attack somebody? Sorry, that cut out completely. <laughs> You're good. You're back. Okay, I'm back. All right. Yeah. We were feeling, I was remarking that I did, see, I did see Australia had its first kangaroo death in like, it's like 70 years recently. Yeah, bad timing with that one. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it doesn't happen often. I feel like people think it happens a lot more often than it does. So, <laughs> um, so growing up, um, like, how, how did you get involved in, in soccer? Were you playing from a, a pretty young age? Did, did, is, there a, is there a team, like, locally in, in Adelaide that you watched growing up at all? Uh, yeah, no, I started when I was about, I mean, my dad tells me when I was three years old, he, he pretty much got me started in, into playing um, soccer, and my brother played as well, so we were playing pretty much all the way growing up. Um, and there were no girls' teams at the time, so I was training um, and playing this team up until I was... I think 14 and they didn't let girls play with the boys anymore. Um, but yeah, I got, I got scouted, I guess, for our, um, you know, state as South Australia from quite a young age and kind of have been in that system, um, which leads you into pretty much playing professionally. So I signed my first professional contract when I was 15. So we start pretty young. Um, yeah. so it's not like here when you come in and you're 23 and you're already an adult, you, you as an infant, basically, um, <laughs> <laughs> and you learn the ropes pretty quick so yeah um I've had quite a few seasons in the professional league back in Australia and um obviously still kind of deemed as young so it was quite weird coming here and everyone's just coming out of college and I'm the same age of playing <laughs> professionally <laughs> it's, it's a very um different scene I think in Australia but but yeah um there were definitely teams that I followed I'm part Polish so I played for a Polish club um back in Adelaide and then yeah there was you know our one team our main team Adelaide United um and they had the women's team so that kind of just flowed into there um and yeah it kind of started my journey in professional football now when you were with um Melbourne I guess your your last season there you were with Brooks Hendricks who was with Racing Louisville so I guess when that stuff came about did you get to kind of like I guess you were in this unique position where you 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 could interact with somebody who's who's was who'd recently been with the squad. Did, uh, I mean, did that help kind of influence your decision, kind of getting more of a more of an out, outside perspective? Um, it was actually interesting because um, obviously, like any international player that I play with, I always ask about their experiences and get to know a little bit about the club that they were at and what the league's like over there, just in case I'd ever have any interest. But um, Racing came about literally the last week of my season. Um, and I told Brooke about it because um, I found out three days prior 
to the grand final. So I told Brooke about it literally like the day of the final after we won. Um, so I didn't have a lot of time to kind of pick her brain because then I had to leave straight away. So um, it was kind of like a, a bit of a just had to make a rash decision to just go. Um, but no, she, she told me like a, a few things, but I definitely didn't get a lot out of her before we uh, had to go our separate ways. Yeah. Wow, I didn't, yeah, didn't realise that Dill was done so so fast what what's it like to just like pick up and move across the world on short notice like that yeah I mean honestly I wasn't expecting to go play overseas I wasn't really looking for it um and to be honest my agent had asked me earlier on in my season he said oh like you know I'm about to contact some clubs in America for some other players you want me to throw your name in and I was just like no nah. because <laughs> I never saw myself playing in the U.S. um so yeah it was interesting because I was kind of ready to play a bit more locally chill out a little bit maybe explore Europe uh, in a couple months when that window opened and then racing came out of nowhere um then I was like okay I'll, I'll have a chat see where it goes um and I basically was convinced after one chat that this is where I next so um yeah it was a very quick decision because the window was closing I think yeah within the week so I had to decide had to get all the contract stuff sorted um and then the visa process took a bit of time as well so um there's a lot of things I had to do um in preparation but but yeah it was a very quick decision and I think it helped because I was coming to a country where they do speak English whereas my other experiences have been to had to learn Spanish had to learn a bit of Japanese so it's a bit easier to be able to communicate and um, settle in a bit easier, I'd say. Yeah, I think we oftentimes don't give enough, like put enough thought into like some of those big cultural transitions that you that you have to make. And, and not having to learn a new language is certainly a, a big relief, I imagine. Um, now, what if uh, I guess have you uh, have you experienced any uh, any culture shock coming to America? I mean, I think just the portion sizes of the it's insane like, small, <laughs> to be fair we, not, we think the same small. thing and we've lived here like I, it is bizarre you order a coffee and it's like you expect it to be this tiny thing it's huge there's like three shots in it you're absolutely buzzing for the rest of the day and some of the teammates have like multiple so I feel like they're having nine shots a day which is not healthy so um it's definitely different um but yeah, I think that was probably the main thing. Another thing, I mean, not too much culture wise, but like everything is so far away in America. Like you have to drive everywhere. You can't just walk, get your groceries, come back, walk to a cafe. Like it is a, like at the start of the season, I think the closest um, cafe was maybe a 20 minute walk. And it's like, I, I don't know that I still don't know Fahrenheit. I mean, I'll just go what, like 35 degrees outside. And going on that walk, the amount of sweat, <laughs> like I ruined so many clothes, <laughs> just going for a walk to get some coffee. Um, but no, I think that's also a very different thing. So I'm used to everything just being quite walking distance, a very like close community feel. And even though like, you know, training is a two minute drive from where I am, it's still a 20 minute walk. So it's like that kind of thing has been um, a small like shift, I'd say. Um, but other than that, not too much of a shock. Like I had a few American teammates while I was in Australia as well. So I'm quite used to, um, you know, hanging out with Americans, had an American roommate when I was living in Spain as well. 
though, um, had a lot of exposure to Americans. So it was good. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I I like the city I live in, but the the driving part's the the worst. There's like there are literally maybe three neighborhoods you can live in in Louisville and be able to walk to like the basic things you need to, and then yeah. everywhere else you have to drive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was definitely, I was definitely, when she was talking about driving anywhere, I'm like, oh, Zach is, he's getting agitated in the back of his head about all the transportation infrastructure we have here that is not like public transportation. That's funny. Um, so um, what was, what was Spain like um, playing in Spain? Uh, did, with, how hard is it to like, to go to a team where like you don't speak the same language as as like the majority or a bunch of your teammates and like how does that affect like communicate communication in games and like in practice I mean it's it's huge it was definitely a lot harder than I thought I think I was being a little bit naive when I thought like okay there'd be a lot of support there'd maybe be a translator you know like there's surely some people that speak English um but yeah like I my first experience was no internet so I had no way to contact the person that was picking me up and all I remember is like before boarding, they sent me a photo of the guy that was picking me up. And I'm like, he looks like the most generic Spanish dude ever. Like, how am I supposed to find him in one of the busiest airports in Spain? Get off and everyone looks like him. <laughs> Literally, it took me an hour and a half to find this guy. Um, and then like from then, like, it was just, it was such a like bizarre first experience because you, you don't think about like, you know, the basic needs, like you need to get food for your apartment, you do all these kind of things. And I remember like, he just dropped me off at the grocery store. And I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing. I just bought grapes to survive the first night. <laughs> I was like, this is this seems right. Um, and then having to like, yeah, get the whole house sorted things you don't even think about. So um, I think that's just more so in general, moving to a new country, like, is difficult, but then you add in barrier and in cultural differences I mean we had a team dinner it starts at 10 30 and that's early for them like and you know you go on all the way up until 1 a.m and then the next morning you're training at 10 like that's kind of the cycle um like lunches yeah what 2 or 3 p.m and then everyone has a siesta and the early that you can go out for dinner is 8 p.m so that was a bit more of a shock I'd say um <laughs> but in 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 its whole I think that it was a very good experience for me to go through. Um, first, it was very difficult because I couldn't, like the coach didn't even know I didn't speak Spanish. Um, so that was another thing that I was like, oh, great. <laughs> so let's see how this goes. Um, so luckily I had a teammate from Italy and from Portugal that spoke a bit of English and could help me out my first season. Um, but yeah, it was, it was quite tough. Um, you just had to watch everything in training, always go at the back of the line to see what everyone's um, trying to figure out if it's you have to play with one touch or two touch you have no idea um, got a lot of mistakes happened in that first season um, but I think doing that going out of your comfort zone there's so many rewards for, for that gave me the confidence to be able to come here and be like okay well I've gone through something ridiculously hard I, I can go to America I'll be okay now that got me thinking when you when you first came here to racing how were they as far as getting you transitioned to life here like having your apartment set up and making sure you had you know you had food to eat like on your first day here and stuff like that where did they, I mean did they think ahead on those sort of thing I'm very curious on on how proactive they are there 
um, it was ridiculously good. Definitely the best experience I've had. Um, you know, lots of staff members, me being like, okay, like, what do you, um, what do you eat? I was like, I'm vegetarian. The chef made me something and it was like already in my fridge set up. I had like um, another person go out and get me like some basic things to get me through the night. The next day, um, the, one of the men's like um, coaches came around, took me to Kroger got me like you know answered all of my questions about the food because I was like what's good here I have no idea um so they were like extremely helpful with all of those things and getting me settled in um as quick as possible so I think it's, it's definitely the best experience I've had and speaking to some other players as well um they definitely feel the same way about it and like lots of my other friends that are playing overseas definitely do not get this kind of um like warm feeling when they come into a club where people genuinely want to help you. Um, you know, it does have that family feel about it, which is really nice. That's good. I, they, they seem very proactive on all fronts like that. So it's going to re- it's nice to hear that they're, that you're going to take care of even all the things behind the scenes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious. So we, we've asked all the players we've had on about this because we're sort of excess, obsessed with the cafeteria at the, <laughs> And the dream. You're you're the first vegetarian player we've had on. How how is your experience of the cafeteria been? No, it has been good. There's always like a, a veggie option in some way. They even brought in tofu um, for me, so they were just making me up some tofu every nice. day, which was really nice. Um, so yeah, it has been a, a great experience, and like that's another thing that not every club has. You know, be able to to take food home, have breakfast and lunch at your club is obviously very helpful, especially when you know, you're trying to, to save as much money from playing overseas too. And there's, um, you know, a, a lot of benefits to it. So I think we've got a really good setup here. That's good. That's good. Yeah. That, I, I really, I want to go in the cafeteria sometime and eat. It looks like it's not like they just have like basic food for you. It just look, it looks like genuinely like good stuff. Yeah. It's like intricate. Like they make like full on meals as a menu. You can see what's going to happen like every um, day of the week. So they really plan it out. Like it's, it's legit. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard several of the players have gone back into the kitchen to learn how to make stuff before when it's really tasty. Oh, really? I've not seen that happen, but I'm sure. Like, I know that there are quite a few players that they will eat lunch and then take extra to have dinner, like the same thing for dinner. So that's quite common. Now, one thing that I, I, a lot of the racing, t- uh, your teammates seem to are very big into coffee. Would you consider yourself in that in that realm? And if so, where do you like to go? I'm more of a tea drinker um so I think like coffee in Australia going for coffee in Australia is very like social thing so normally Mm -hmm. you you do that after training and I think this is like the first time where like this team is so obsessed with coffee that everyone does that as well um so I think like obviously Quills is a big one lots of people go to I like Fante's it has like a good feel to it um I think there's like a please and thank you that's a little bit further out that has like a really cool feel as well they play like chill records there's like a big couch I like the couch it's a good place yeah. um and there's another one i think those would probably be like the the usual spots for sure um but yeah i feel like i go a lot more socially and then when people ask if i want a coffee i mean okay here's another thing people's orders here are like what is going on <laughs> like i had a teammate order an iced mocha with vanilla and matcha in it like that's not that's not a combination <laughs> it's not a thing so i don't i don't really 
drink a lot of those like fruit fruit drinks. I drink it straight up. I'll get stuff for my wife. Here's my wife's order. Let me find it. It's a grande iced brown sugar oat milk shaken espresso. I just feel like that's a string of words Mm -hmm. that don't make sense. No, none of that makes sense. I don't know how people do that. So like just listening to some of like people's orders is like insane. Um, So that's a culture shock. And I think if anyone ever came, like anyone from here ever came to Australia, they would struggle. Like people would give them some dirty looks. They ask for any of these things. Like they'd take a step and be like, where's my four other shots? Um, So yeah, I think that's been another interesting thing. So what's your, what's your go-to tea? Go to tea, um, Twining's English breakfast. Been trying to get a sponsorship with them since I was about 13 years old. Still no luck. I've emailed them. I've, I've referenced everything. I've given like emotional talks about like my connection to the tea, nothing. So if there's anyone listening from Twining's from this podcast. Oh, we're going to have to, we have to start tweeting. <laughs> Twining. We'll cyber bully him. We'll get it. We'll strong arm him for you. Keep Please. tagging them until they mute me. I'm just gonna tag them. Like, started drinking Twining's English breakfast uh, from recommendation from Addicts Studiac. Like, honestly, like I travel with it everywhere. When I came here, like that was in my suitcase, so I was already set. And then there's there's just something about the Australian version. So when I went home just before with national team, I brought another hundred bags here. <laughs> so um, yeah, there's a slight obsession with Twining's. Um, I have made like slideshow presentation as well to educate my friends and like kind of cross out the ones to stay away from I do a video of me explaining how to make the perfect tea there's a lot there's a lot that goes into it um how do you make the perfect tea I can't disclose that it's a bit too early to to tell um to to the audience I think we'd need like people to really really want it and then I might share my secrets but but yeah there's there is a Process. We'll 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 get the tw- uh, we'll get them to contact you, and then we'll get the ball rolling on, on learning how to make the the perfect tea. Then, well, you got to steep for just the right amount of time. Yeah, because you can't oversteep. You can't understeep. Well, we have our strength and conditioning coach who literally dips it in for less than thirty seconds, takes it out, adds milk, and it is just she made just water. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> She made one for me out of respect. I'm trying to get to know you guys. I want to be part of this. And she made a tea for me and it literally burnt my mouth because obviously it's too hot. The temperature was all wrong. (laughs) It tasted like nothing. The color, like the, is a very certain thing, but you need to get, can't be too milky. It literally just looked like milk in a cup. There's problems. So this is like, these are little details. So you're, that comes around but like man people don't know how to do tea here that's for sure there used to be a really nice loose leaf tea shop on barstown road that closed during um during the pandemic and i was so sad yeah that's rough tea places don't don't tend to last um unfortunately but when you get twinings to come here just like a twining stand just we'll Oh, we get 20 stand in the stadium. Yes. Get a brand sponsorship. Exactly. Well, I think we need to try and get that going. I think we're getting a good idea going here. We can talk to Niall. I know Niall's a big tea guy. We try to get him to help too. No, we're going to get everyone involved. I think we just got (laughs) to, we're going to go with the best pitch that they can't ignore. 
and then they'll be here. Now, Alex, you, you seem like the type where you have probably there's probably a few other organizations that you'd like sponsorships with because you're passionate about. What else are you? Pa- what else, What other passions do you have? Who who can we hound on Twitter for you to try to get sponsorship? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, this one's a bit more difficult. I've always wanted like a pet penguin, but like I'm not into animal cruelty, so I can't just be like, hey, get me a penguin, and then it doesn't survive in the you know ridiculous climate Kentucky has. So especially with all the snakes around like that penguin would not last penguins and snakes don't mix i bet i bet we could work out something with the louisville zoo because they have a very nice penguin exhibit okay you could probably meet the penguins at the zoo it's not permanent you couldn't take them home but you could have a penguin friend at the zoo well you can name one after you this is the one thing like it's top of my bucket list is hug a penguin so if we can make oh, this happen, I think I think that can it's happen. Doable. They have like the interaction with penguins sort of stuff. I've seen that like videos of that. I don't know if you're supposed to touch them, but like, you know, you get politely escorted out after you do it. So I mean, you get the job done. I mean, if I could just 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 hug it, you know, let it know that we are friends, and then it can waddle away. That's fine. But I would be forever impacted by that moment. So um, that's another thing I think we can work on um i'm also trying to get on eurovision which i know is not as big in the u.s but we're you know we're getting there we're building the exposure this year was probably the worst that i've seen (laughs) eurovision i'm not gonna lie so it was quite disappointing but i feel like with my influence could make it better so that's another thing that i'm trying to work towards um yeah there's a lot there's a lot going on it's a lot in the background (laughs) i do have a question so as an australian do you find it as confusing as as we do that Australia is in Eurovision? Oh, it's baffling. I mean, okay. <laughs> when we got announced as being in Eurovision, it was just the funniest thing. Like, I think all Australians just love how we we like to invite ourselves to things. So, um, yeah, it was it was very interesting to see. Um, it makes me want to pull out a map and be like, I okay, I think I see a bit of a problem here. Yeah, a little just bit. One, one of these places is not in Europe. Well, like the second year that we were in Eurovision, we should have won, but they obviously couldn't let us win. So it was a bit awkward. So it's kind of like we're there, but are we there? Like if we can't win, like I would love to host Eurovision. That would be great. I'd clearly have a big role in it. Um, I could be one of the hosts. I know that they're very um, they're very awkward hosts. So I feel like I could do a better job. But yeah, I don't think that Eurovision will ever come to Australia. And if it did, there'd be outrage. So mm. It's a yeah. lot. It's now, a long flight for all, all the other competitors. Yo, I have to fly this way all the time. So everyone <laughs> has to deal with it once. I was, I'm glad you brought this up because I was going to ask about that from your, your box of box thing because you were talking about your singing. Now, do, do you see yourself primarily as a singer or like are you like a kind of a generalist all around entertainer? Like you can do comedy, you can do the singing, whatnot. I was thinking more so I'd be like, I can't sing. I'm not going to. I'm not going to come here and pretend that I can sing or I can dance. I know I can't do those things. So if I was just a prop for one of the people that can sing, I'd be happy. I mean, they use some interesting props. I could be a tree. I don't care. As long as I get on the Eurovision stage in some way, I'm, I'm happy. Like to me, I'm not going to lie. Eurovision and World Cup is kind of on the same pedestal. At the moment. <laughs> so, I mean, we got to ideally i'd go to both but i mean yeah if it's going to be one or the other like i I have to make one at least in my time 
Well, we'll, 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 we'll engage with them on social media too and see what kind of strings we can pull. I'm sure we'll have a lot of sway. You guys you better just start making friends with Australian musicians. I, I do think I need to start doing that as well. Yeah, I, I think that's your best bet. Yeah. I really got to get on the networking. Yeah, just keep sliding in those DMs and see who, who responds. <laughs> Let me be a prop. <laughs> I was going to kind of shift gears a little bit and kind of ask on the um, on the soccer side of things. So coming to to racing, um, you know, as far as their playing style, how um, compared to your previous experiences, how, how smooth of a transition was it on the pitch? I think um, I kind of surprised myself with how I think I feel like that was more to do with the team and how open and welcoming they were um, to kind of accept me you know, very quickly because um, it kind of went to a little bit like zero to 100 I know I was on the bench for the, the Houston game and then I went to starting against San Diego and I was for real I feel like they threw you out there real quick after you got here it's kind of like sink or swim and I was like shit I can't swim like I hate <laughs> water so this is going to be an issue um, but no like I think um yeah, I definitely surprised myself with that. And, you know, the the coaches made it, you know, really clear that they know that I'm not going to be completely up to speed with the style of play um, in America and how transitional it is because I'm not used to that. I mean, playing in Australia is, it's, it's kind of a mixture of everything. There's not really one set style, but then you go to Spain very much, keep the ball for long periods of time. Japan is the same, one and two touches. Here is like, full pitch sprints constantly <laughs> um so I had to definitely adapt my game to that and get used to it and learn how to play quicker um so that was a bit of a learning curve I think my first session I was like and it happened to be weirdly windy like I've not had a day like this, but it was so windy and I was like I can't run how are these people doing it like, I, was, I was like this is going to be an absolute shit show um but managed to get through the first bit of absolute terror. <laughs> and and now I think I've, I've settled in pretty well with the team, but that does have a lot to do with Kim, the coaches, um, the staff in general have been great. And, and obviously players, it comes down to that. I don't think, you know, any of us would be as comfortable to, to play our hearts out, you know, if we weren't a close team. And I know, you know, results haven't really shown how close we are. And I think there's been a lot of questions on the outside which all of us understand, um, but there is so much work going on in the background to make sure that we have, you know, all, everyone on the, on the right page and know why we, yeah, we're here to, to build a long-term plan all together and, um, you know, obviously get the best out of each and every one of us. So, yeah, I think it's all up. It, it's obviously, it's, it's a challenge. I'm still getting used to, I'm not going to say that. Yeah. Like I, I feel confident in how I'm doing here um but I'm definitely being helped and that's um you know all I can ask for yeah the weather has been throwing everything at the yeah. the team this year I feel like because you you weren't here for training camp but I, I think we had a blizzard blizzard on the first day of practice for the year uh so so everyone had to show up early and plow the field oh geez. Uh, and then I feel like we went straight from that to like 100 degree summer days yeah that is insane like I, I remember like we obviously had to push training earlier to get through the days, but like middle of the day, you could not go outside. It was terrible. It's like not even the heat. It's the, it's the humidity. You get the kind of the, the worst of everything in Kentucky uh, weather wise. So you, you'll see yeah, it all. You could see it all within a one week span. Yeah. <laughs> now, um, 
you I mean, the the chemistry with the team seems to have, have, have been really good. And I and I feel like you guys have like there's been a lot of moments of of, of being real close to, to breakthrough. Obviously, you guys have a recent speed, um, little bumps in the road. But as far as like getting your, your guys first recent result, like what did that mean to the locker room and how has that got, kind of helped you guys mentally? Obviously, it's it's been a, a win that's a long time coming. I think we've had a lot of results where we either should have won, we lost by one goal, or we've had a ridiculous amount of draws. I don't know if we're like leading in the record of that somehow um, within the league, but there there has been a lot of frustrating games for us where we know we could be doing a lot better. Um, and I think we let a few of those games go early on in at the start of the season, and that's um, obviously affected us at you know, the end of the season where we didn't need to get those points to, you know, be competitive for playoffs. But I think, um, you know, we've started to just take it game by game, um, look at what we can control in those games, set mini goals for the team. Um, and I think one of our, our team goals was, you know, to score a goal in each half. And that's, you know, what we achieved against Orlando, which was really good. So, you know, things are, are slowly starting to come together. Hopefully we can continue that. I and mean, we've got a big trip um, over to Portland and LA. So, you know, obviously both those teams are pushing for um, playoff spots. So they're going to be coming out firing. But we've, you know, now come off of a win. And I think hopefully we can keep that momentum going. Um, but, yeah, it's been really positive. Um, it is surprising, though. Like, obviously, after a loss, you know, you, you do feel quite deflated um in the locker room and everybody um starts to you know get a little bit frustrated just for that night but I think what's really good about this team is the next day we all come together and we all work really hard for the um rest of the week so we've been able to push those things aside as much as possible and um that's going to make us in the long term a very successful team I'm just going to ask about the the re- resiliency thing about being able to kind of move on from from losses or whatnot is that like is that just kind of a trait that you you think that athletes at your level just kind of naturally have, or is that something you kind of have to really learn and kind of mentally focus on over time? I think it's something that you do have to learn. Like I do know um, a lot of teams and a lot of players that, that struggle and, you know, they overthink losses. And I think something that, um, you know, there, there obviously is that point of learning from the game, learning, you know, from certain clips and things are what we need to do better but at the same time, not dwelling on that too much and being able to push that aside. And that's definitely what we did um, after North Carolina. We, we we had a meeting. We went through some of the things that weren't good. We had a very open chat um, bef- and that was before training. And then we just all let it go. Um, and that's, that's kind of what you have to do to be able to push that aside. Otherwise, you're going to be taking that into game after game after game. Um, and you'll see that, you know, effect flowing on for the rest of the season. Whereas I think that, you know, we're at a point where we can start to tip things um, in our favour, finish off strong, and then hopefully keep, you know, lots of players for the next season as well. Now, um, we're preparing for these matches, and I guess kind of looking back at some of the results that haven't gone your guys' way, do you, do you feel that there like that there was any, any sort of elements, I guess, of surprise that have been thrown at you guys from these other teams, I guess, from a tactical standpoint, or have been some of the issues just on a few like misses on, um, on the execution on what you guys have set out? Um, I think a lot of it was we weren't finishing the chances that we had. So we were creating quite a lot at the start of the season. Um, and we just were not getting it in the back of the net. Um, mm-hmm. And I think with that, you know, we were, lots of us were doing shooting practice after 
after every training to try and improve on that. And sometimes, you know, things just don't work out, unfortunately, in football as much as you'd like it to. Um, and other teams are a little bit more experienced than us. I think I think a thing that lots of people um, kind of forget is we are a very young team in terms of how long people have been playing professionally and being new to the league as well. So even though we have experienced players, we haven't had players that have been in the league for years and years and years, like a lot of the players um, throughout who have players that are very much um, know how this league works, know, you know, how to kind of pace themselves throughout the season. Uh, we're kind of just trying to figure it out on the fly, um, all of us together. And I think, you know, if we can keep, you know, a lot of the players together, we're going to be a lot more experienced as a whole after everything that has happened um, this season. But I wouldn't say it's been, you know, we've been underprepared or we've not known tactically what to do. We have had, you know, game plans going into to matches and things have just not fallen our way. Um, and I think, you know, the, the North Carolina game was, you know, something that we were trying a little bit new and it just didn't work out, unfortunately. Um, and you could just see everyone quite deflated because we have been working so hard. Um, so I think that was a little bit of a tipping point for us to know, like, okay, like we need to just regroup again. We've got to keep trying. Um, Cause yeah, if you let it go, you know, you can't, um, you know, you're not going to get anywhere, but I think this team has something really special about them that we are all very eager to learn, eager to improve ourselves. You know, there's multiple players that do extra stuff after training to try and work on, you know, their weaknesses. And that's, you know, not something that every team has. Yeah. You, you kind of mentioned uh, one thing I was well, I was wanting to bring up, and that's about I guess the uniqueness of the uh, NWSL. And I was kind of wanting to hear from from your perspective, somebody who's kind of new to the to this league, on what some of those challenges are. I imagine the travel and just like the the wide scope of of the country and the different teams you have to face there is probably is one notable factor. Yeah, I think um, especially flying out of Kentucky, I have a little bit of beef with the airport. I have to say. <laughs> um we've had some we've had some times together um but no I feel like it it does make it harder when there's not a lot of direct flights to the places that we're going so there's you know our travel days do take up you know the whole day like we're lucky to get a training session in before we go to the airport travel all day get in super late um and yeah of course that that affects us I think we are quite unlucky with um yeah where we are in terms of you know what what we have to be able to, to fly so um that does play a big part in things for sure and you know this upcoming trip it's, it's going to be no different we're going to be traveling the whole day um but luckily we do get there with enough time to be able to have um you know a training session over in portland and in la um and prepare for those games as best as we can before coming back home I mean, travel, it just takes it out of, like, I don't, you know, maybe I'm, maybe an old man, but like, it just feels like it just takes energy out of you and you're just exhausted after all that. But then you have to go when you're playing, you're playing the game, you know, soccer at a professional level. It's, again, I think that's one of those elements that people just don't give enough respect for. Like, it's, it's tiring, man. I feel like I personally catch a cold every time I fly back from anywhere. So I can't, I can't imagine trying to stay healthy enough to play (laughs) soccer after a flight. Yeah, look, I don't know how we're all still standing. I'm sure something's probably going to pop up at some point. But, um, yeah, it definitely takes it out of you. You know, long long layovers, delays. I mean, so many delays. 
Um, I think it's honestly, this is probably the hardest place to fly in. Like no matter where I've been within well, America, and there's always a delay. <laughs> it's stacked on top of, it's just been a very bad year for American air travel in general. <laughs> like there's been a lot of canceled flights and delays all over the place. So there's already not a lot of direct flights out of here to start with. But then yeah. on top of that, like it seems like everything has been delayed everywhere too yeah no it's definitely rough um but it, it think, does make it a little bit easier when you're, you're traveling with your teammates and you can kind of pass time a little bit better louisville city had, it, had to have a a game postponed in tampa because the tampa team was stuck in dallas after their previous game and couldn't get back in time for their next home game yeah not surprised honestly <laughs> i am not surprised by that <laughs> I saw you even had troubles getting to the airport the one time I saw on Instagram you waited through the uh through the mm. foliage to get to the airport which was which is hilarious I imagine you got eaten up by all little bugs and stuff going through oh, all that grass that was only the beginning of the journey um <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was uh extremely rough walking through that but after that, I had to convince the people to open the gate for about 15 minutes and then jump in a golf buggy, get taken all the way around where Kentucky Kingdom is. And then they got they dropped me off literally at the beginning of like another motorway, which was not safe <laughs> at all. But I had to walk along it and kind of start running. So I was going to miss my flight. Um, so I ran across the highway with my big bag, like all set to go to Australia. And then I had to hitchhike. So luckily someone stopped actually took me to the airport um but yeah it was a, a journey to be able to get through that and um yeah Amina Ekic was the one that drove me and she was still like stuck for another four hours so Oof. I feel for her that's a good teammate stuff. yeah very good teammate <laughs> I'm actually glad you guys posted that because I was uh I was kind of near that side of town and we were going to be driving through that if I um, shortly after that, I'm like, oh, so I told my wife, like, we're going to take a detour because I saw this on Instagram. Yeah. Hell no. So like my, um, my roommate, she was going to be going to the airport an hour later. And so I warned her obviously to not go that way. And by the time I like had hitchhiked, gotten to the airport, like she arrived the same time I did and was like, yeah, I had a 15 minute drive. Like I have been <laughs> sitting in a car for an hour and a half and then just did this trek and I could have just come later. <laughs> Oh, that's amazing. It looks, hey, it makes for a fun story, though. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, definitely um, had to laugh about it while it was happening. <laughs> so, uh, so I know I know we've had, yeah. like, the, the team has had a lot of ups and downs this year, but do you have, like, a favorite moment from your season here? Is there anything that stands out? It could be on the field or off the field since you've gotten here. Ooh, anything that stands out... I'm like looking at our like season schedule at the moment and trying to like remember all the games. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think, I mean, I did really enjoy um, my debut. Obviously, yeah, it was good to get the win against San Diego. That was great. Um, but just as a whole, I think it was a, a great memory for kind of what's to come with this team and, you know, what we can achieve with the players that we have. So that's always been something that's kind of stuck with me throughout the season because it's like, you know, San Diego right at the top of the table. Um, they're obviously having a lot of success. They're a new team. You know, it's definitely not out of reach for us. Um, so I think that's probably 
um, a highlight. And I think off the pitch, I've made some really, really good friends here, which has been super nice, a lot of fun. Um, we obviously all live together. So, yeah, I'm, my closest friends in the team probably are Amina and Julia. And for some reason, every time we hang out, we watch a scary movie. So that's been that's been it's fun but it's weird like we've watched some really weird ones um that are probably gonna stay in my brain forever um but what, no, it's what, been what of- kind of scary movies are your favorite because i feel like that's a broad like there are lots of different yeah. ways to be scary like what do you enjoy the most look okay so we watched a really budget crappy one like julia to be fair she was sleeping um so she was like chilling and then Amina and I were like awake, kind of glued to the TV and it's called The Resort and it is the worst, like, like great idea, but it's like filmed on an iPhone, I swear. Like it was terrible. The <laughs> acting was horrific and it's like what happened at the end of it, it's really warped and scary, but because of the filming was so bad, it just made it like, we're just a bit shocked of what we're watching. So I think we just like a bit of, bit of everything um some strange you feel like the the low budget ones got to go really crazy on the ending to try to to make up for it they definitely do I mean the trailer looks great like what we showed like the trailer some of the other girls are like yeah I'd watch this and I'm like don't do it (laughs) the trailer is the best bit have Um, you have you guys watched the living dead movie that was filmed here in Louisville yet there's a movie that was filmed in Louisville the return of the living dead it's one of the night of the living dead like like spin-off sequels like oh, no way. it takes place in louisville and spoilers but they nuke louisville at that's the end of, that's the end of the movie <laughs> wow okay. but yeah there's a um cave hill cemetery is like a big famous old cemetery here yeah and so like it's there's like a big chunk of it was filmed there wow all right that's good to know yeah, um, that's a fun one it's like uh it's like a cheesy 80s <laughs> night of the living dead like spin-off movie yeah i'll have to add it to the list i mean we just watched orphan first kill the new orphan that came out and like oh we spent a lot of it laughing i think we probably are a bit numb to scary movies now kind of like they've made this one really well like this is warped in a good way um are you are you scary movie person like or did or did or did one of them just want to start watching you're like all right i'm game i mean i came to like the friendship slightly late like they started bonding maybe like a week before I came into the picture so I like I think my partner was here early on in the season for about two weeks so we were hanging out I was quite preoccupied trying to like explore Louisville very new to everything um and when she left like I started talking with um you know Amina and Julia a little bit more and they're like hey like come over let's watch a movie and it was a scary movie and it's kind of just not ended so no matter what, that's just what happens when we hang out. And some of the other girls that we're close with, like, will refuse to come watch. Like, I was on the phone with Zanetta for, like, 40 minutes trying to convince her. And she was like, um, it's not happening. Um, so, yeah. Like, I don't know where it's come from. I, I mean, I like scary movies. I get disappointed with quite a few because I'm like, that's not scary enough. Um but yeah, I think one of the first ones we watched was like called The Boy, like a creepy doll named Brahms. And Amina at the time didn't have a roommate. So we like pretended that the doll was just in her spare room. <laughs> um, so uh, we still joke about it. Um, and actually recently our athletic trainer brought in 
um, a really creepy Halloween doll and like hung it in the, the bathroom. So when you open the door, it starts laughing like a creepy child. Um, so I think a lot of people are, are quite into it, um, into scaring people <laughs> here. Uh, but I've definitely become numb to it because as soon as I opened the door and the laughing started, I just just backed out, went into <laughs> went into a different room, didn't didn't care too much about it. So. I had one of the scariest things in my entire life happen recently. So I went out, I went out for a walk after we put our daughter to bed, like late one night. Um, and I was walking on, on Frankfurt and there was like a dude with a, a, a stroller, like a baby carriage oh. coming towards me. And, you know, I like walked past, and I peeked in to like say hello to the baby. And inside the stroller was a little porcelain, <laughs> big, no. creepy baby doll. And I was like, <laughs> Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you do not. And he like just kept walking, walking, and I was anymore. like, "I'm, I am not going to turn around. I'm going to walk as fast in the other direction as I can." No, because no, that's that a murderer. Literally, that is terrifying. <laughs> I'm glad I'm far away from the place right now. <laughs> One thing I did want to ask about was what the off season looks like for you. But you, but earlier you kind of made it sound like you'll you'll be playing with the Melbourne Victory in the off season. Is that did I hear that right? Um, well, that's like what we're trying to get organized. Nothing's confirmed yet. Like I'm still, okay. still trying to figure out, you know, where I'll be next year because my contract is a, is a one plus one. So we're just working through all of that and the timings and we don't know when, you know, the season here starts mm-hmm. yet. So, um, nothing's necessarily confirmed. I'm definitely trying to go back and play. That's for sure. Um, yeah. just to, you know, get as much game time as possible. It's quite a long break in between the seasons here so um that is the aim but yeah nothing's confirmed yet yeah i was i was gonna ask you have like a, i guess whenever you are on, i guess kind of a more normal cadence if you will like do you have like sort of like what does the off season generally look like for you is there like do you have some sort of like a workout training you try to just like stay in shape is it a lot of like relaxing letting the body recuperate yeah unfortunately for me my off season will be getting my wisdom teeth taken out <laughs> so um, so yeah that will be the first week I'll probably be recovering from that I've decided to like I was I've been having like a lot of pain this week actually so I'm on antibiotics and like a mouthwash right now to try and ease that pain a little bit um and I went to see the dentist and they're trying to like you know help me out so I don't have to get surgery here um so I'm w- trying to wait till I get back to Australia and I can get back to like my hometown Adelaide so my mom can just look after me like I just want to become a baby again like that's my off-season plan just get taken care of like I I do not want to cook for myself or clean like it sounds terrible for her but haven't been home for a long time so I think think it'll be good I think she'll love it but yeah that will be the first week and then I'll spend another couple of weeks um in Adelaide as well probably like after that first week, I'll get back into um, some sort of training again. I'll probably not do too much with the bowl. It'll be more gym stuff, just strengthen my body up again. And then, you know, if I am able to play um, for like in the, the A-League season, then I'd have to join up for pre-season, um, the back end of pre-season anyway. So, yeah, it'll be probably like ideally three weeks kind of off. Um, and then, yeah, like I actually originally had a plan to go to New Zealand with my partner, but that it just never happened you can't plan in advance because you never know what's going to happen so yeah. <laughs> um one day i will get 
a holiday. <laughs> but but for now, um, yeah, definitely kind of a bit of business trying to get my body right um, and then slowly get back into things again. Yeah, I mean, professional soccer players, you guys live a very uh, very interesting lives and it's hard to <laughs> plan this kind of things with, with contracts and seasons and then you never know what's going to happen in between. So yeah, I hope you do get that uh, that vacation <laughs> sooner than later. <laughs> Definitely. Well, Alex, thank you so much for coming on and talking to us. No, thank you for having me. It's been a great chat. I feel like, you know, I, I now know that you guys are going to fight for me to hug a penguin, get on Eurovision, get my tea sponsorship. So this has been great. Well, we got a list. <laughs> I legitimately think we can make the penguin thing happen. Okay, well, I think... we got to do that quickly. Like, I think the week the week <laughs> of the Kansas game, when we're back, just get that done in that week, and I'll be eternally grateful. Make some phone calls. Yeah. <laughs> well, again, is thank there, you so much. Uh, is there anything Good. you want to uh, to share or shout out um, that people who are listening to check out before we leave? Check out. Um... Do you still have that? Uh, the thing with the old jerseys turned into bags going on. I remember the link to that earlier this year. It was pretty neat. The old, oh, um, yeah, Unwanted FC. So still, I'm pretty sure, I don't know if it's sold out yet, but I just donated a bunch of my gear that have been repurposed into bags, um, laptop cases, um, smaller bags. I think there's a face mask in there. There's a few things that, um, yeah, a couple of my old things have been remade into um and a few of the racing fans have actually bought some of that gear which is really cool um but basically 50 percent of that goes to the organization that i support through common goal so if anyone wants some gear i'll definitely be donating um my racing jersey one of my racing jerseys to unwanted to get repurposed so guess keep an eye out for that one if you want racing merch um but that won't be for another month or so but but yeah, I think it's just, you know, it's for a really good cause. Um, we're repurposing materials. So we're not wasting, um, which is a lot better for the environment. I think people are going to be a little bit more um, socially conscious from, you know, wearing and supporting these things and knowing it's going to a good cause. So yeah, if you want to check out Unwanted FC, that's a bit of a shout out. <laughs> um, but other than that, I just want to thank you guys. Um, obviously, you know, this is really good for... Um, just bring up the profile of, of racing in itself and getting to know the players on a more personal level. So it's great what you guys are doing too, um, to be able to bring that to, to other people that, so they feel a bit more of a connection. So thank you for that. Thanks for thinking of me. Um, hopefully we can have another chat at another time, you know, when I'm on the Eurovision stage, if you want to come interview me, great. Um, I'll get you guys some backstage passes. Sounds great. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Again, thank you so much for, for your time. Um, you know, we were really eager to, to get you on here because you're a fun personality. And so I'm glad we're going to get to share this with, with others. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm excited to, I mean, I, I never listen back, but I'm sure people will tell me about it. So. <laughs> oh, I don't, I don't either. I'm one of those people. I don't like to hear the whole sound of my voice. I don't mind recording it, make other people listen to it, but yeah, I don't go back. <laughs> I try to listen back in, in segments to try to like get better, but it's, it's hard to hear your own voice. It's really hard, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. it's really weird. It doesn't sound the same as it sounds in my head. Nope. <laughs> <laughs>
All right, Alex. Well, we'll let you go so you can get some sleep and get ready for uh, for training the next day. But uh, you know, we wish you. Uh, I guess you got traveling probably coming up here real soon, don't you? I don't think yeah, about it. we um, train tomorrow morning and travel straight after. So busy day tomorrow. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. yeah. All right. Have well, a good one. Thanks for coming on. Good luck on that. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Have a good rest of the night. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.